Philippians chapter number four. We're just going to look at one verse together this morning, the ninth verse of this particular text. And I want you to look at it with me, if you would, Philippians 4 and verse number 9. The Bible says this, Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, it's a really short verse, and it's a really impactful verse. I'd like for us to read it together. Uh, would you look there on your own copy of the Word of God? For those of you who may not have a physical copy of the Bible, you'll see the verse here on the screen. And let's read that out loud together. How about that? And a little bit of participation in church is always a good thing. So you join me. We'll pause at the punctuation, and let's walk through this verse together. Here we go. Ready? Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. This morning, with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Maximizing Spiritual Leadership. Maximizing spiritual leadership in your life. You know, God ordained human leadership from from really the very beginning of this world. From the dawn of creation, God determined that human beings would have a, a level of dominion or authority or leadership uh, here in our world. Uh, I, I share with you in Genesis chapter number one, on the sixth day of creation, here's what happened. In verse number 26, the Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, speaking of man, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So there's several really important things that you need to understand about that particular verse. Number one, the Bible is clear that God made man in his own image. What that means is, is that every one of us in this room, if you consider yourself a man, or we might say a human being, whether male or female, the Bible is clear that you were created in the image of God. That doesn't necessarily mean that you look like God looks, that, uh, because the Bible is clear that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's not so much about looking like God looks, but it, but it is this, being created in God's image, it means that you have a, a realm of authority or dominion. In fact, that's what the Bible says a little bit later in this verse. Let us make man in our image and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, the creeping things that creepeth upon the earth, the cattle, so forth and so on. So as an image bearer of God, Everyone in this room possesses some level of influence, some level of leadership, of dominion, or of authority in this world. Uh, that dominion for, for all of mankind is, is confined specifically over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all of the earth, and over every creeping thing. So this simply means that as a man, or as a woman, you have influence. You have leadership. You have dominion over nature. Now, this is not a, this is not a license to abuse that, that influence, that dominion, that leadership over nature. But here's what it is. It is a license to use and to exercise your dominion in, 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 in this world and over these creatures. Having dominion over them, it allows us to use them for food. 
It allows us to use them for recreation. It allows us to use them for work. And it allows us to use them for our personal enjoyment and our personal pleasure. Many, many people I know just love to go out into nature and just to behold the birds or to watch as the deer graze in a field. And and it's just something that they enjoy. God has given you dominion to enjoy those things for that specific purpose. So understand, leadership is not a foreign thing in the Bible at, at all. In fact, from the very dawn of creation, God established that man would have a dominion. Then we, then we discover there's an, there's an additional level of leadership that's found in our Bible. And that additional level, level of leadership is this, that God gave the man authority or leadership over the woman in the home and in that environment. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and verse number 27, the very next verse, the Bible says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. A little bit later in Genesis 5 and verse number 2, the Bible says male and female created he them and blessed them. Now, Now get a hold of this, this is really important. And called their name Adam in the day when they were created. Perhaps maybe you've always wondered, why is it when a woman gets married, more often than not, she assumes her husband's last name. She assumes his title. That's why it's a biblical concept. In Genesis chapter 5, God looked at this couple, Adam and Eve, and the Bible says that he called their name, that's two people, but he called their name one. Their name was Adam. That's the home, the family of Adam. Just as some of you ladies, you have married your husband and you have taken his name. Therefore, in God's sight, and really in the world's sight, that's your husband's home. That's his family. That's his dominion. God has given him authority and leadership over that particular home. The Bible goes on to tell us in 1 Timothy chapter number 2, verses 12 and 13, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor do usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. You see, God makes no mistakes. And God also doesn't just randomly do things. Everything God does, he does for a reason and for a purpose. It was not a mistake that when God first created man, that he started with the the male first. God, God, God was not surprised that man being alone was not good. God knew that was not going to be good all along. And God had a plan to address that need. But what God was doing, God was establishing in the heart of a man the need for a partner, for a companion, for a help meet. And of course, God stepped in and he met that need by creating the woman. And because the man was created first, according to scripture, because the man was created first, God expects the man to have leadership and to have dominion over his home, over his family, specifically over his wife. You see, there's created order there. And God God designed that the created order would give leadership to the man. But that's not the only type of leadership that we're aware of. We think also of the leadership that is found when God ordains civil government. Within civil government, God uh, divests some of his power to men for the purpose of governing the population under them. Leaders in civil government, they are responsible to make laws. They reward those who do right and they punish those who do wrong. And listen, they have, they literally have God's authority placed upon them for these specific purposes. 
The Bible reminds us in Romans chapter number 13 that we are to be subject unto these powers. We are, uh, we are to place ourselves in submission under them with this thought or this idea that they govern, listen, they govern with power that is given them by God himself. That's what the Bible teaches, Romans 13, verses 1 to 4. It's an unmistakable theme. But you know, there's a, there's a final realm of leadership that God specifically approves of. So if you're following along and you're keeping track, understand this, every man and every woman in this room, you have leadership over this earth. You have dominion over the fish and over the fowls and, and, and over the cattle and over the creeping things and over nature itself. You have dominion, you have authority in those areas. If you're a, if you're a man in this, in this room and you have a family, you have a bride and you have children, God has specifically given you authority and leadership in your home. That's, that's God's design. That's God's plan. And he expects for you to lead and to you, you to lead well. Perhaps maybe there's a government official, an elected government official, or perhaps maybe a, a, an officer of the law. And, and I want you to understand something. God has given you his power and his authority to function in that way. And, and, and you have a right and you have a responsibility to govern and to govern in a good way. To make laws, to reward those who do good and to punish those who do evil. But there's a, there's a fourth level of leadership that we discover in the Bible, and that is that is the realm of spiritual leadership. God approves of, he ordains, and he blesses spiritual leadership and those who place themselves under the dominion of spiritual leadership. Here, here's what God does. God calls men, specifically men. Very clear theme in the scripture. God calls men, and then he equips and he empowers them because no man who will serve as a spiritual leader is capable of doing that in his own flesh. No man, no man is capable of standing behind a desk like this and preaching a, the unsearchable riches of this book and, and, and he's able to do that with his own mind and his own thoughts, his own ideas. No, God does something very special. God does something very unique in the heart of a man when he, when he reaches down and he speaks to that man and he says, I'm calling you for a specific purpose. That man sometimes has to wrestle with that call for a while. Sometimes that man wants no part of that. You're telling me that you want me to be a pastor? You want me to be a preacher and a teacher of God's word? I'm not capable of that. I'm not worthy of that. And over time, God continues to confirm that calling and, and that leadership in his life. And as that man yields and submits to what God is doing, God gives him something that he does not have in his own. It is a gift from God, and God allows him to use it in that way. So that's what God does. And God uses the spiritual leader, the pastor, and the teacher. God uses them to assist in helping God's people to grow within the confines of the local church. Now, I want you to hold your place in Philippians chapter number four, and I want you to join me in Ephesians chapter number four. I think you just need to go back uh, one book, and you'll find the book of Ephesians. And look with me in Ephesians chapter number four, in verse number 11. Ephesians chapter four, and verse number 11. I want you to notice the gifts of spiritual leadership that God has given to the church. Now, look what he says in verse number 11. Paul is writing, and he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets. Now let's stop here for just a moment. Do we still have apostles today, yes or no? No, I, I'm not an apostle. We don't believe in apostolic succession. We believe that God had 
12 apostles, and of course one of them fell away. His name was Judas, and, and uh, they, they elected another one. And, and, uh, and, and then we find that there was even one who was born out of due time. His name was Paul. He would become sort of that 13th apostle. But when those men died, the, the gift of, of an apostle to the church sort of ceased as far as there being a succession in this realm of apostles. But, but I, I don't, don't miss this. We still have the gift of the apostles as we read what they wrote. And as we read how they ministered, they, they still teach us and they still speak into our lives. Now, do we still have prophets around today? Well, not in a, not in a biblical sense. I, I, don't know anyone, I don't know anyone that can stand and say, you know, 17 years from now, this person is going to be elected president and, and he's going to, to do this and, and this is going to happen and this calamity is going to take place. I don't know anybody that has that power and that ability. There have been lots of people that have tried to tell you they have that power and authority and ability, but most of them are, are way, way off. So we don't, have, we don't have the biblical concept of, of, of prophet, uh, but, but do we not still have this book in which the prophets wrote and they ministered and we can read about their lives and they can still speak in our lives? So these things are still, are still gifts to us, but we don't have people specifically functioning in these roles today. But, but we keep reading, right? He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists. Do we have evangelists today? Without question, we have evangelists today. These are, these are men who are gifted by God, called by God, uh, to really just come into the church and help with evangelism and, and help with spreading the thoughts and the themes of revival. So no doubt about it, we still have evangelists. And notice, and pastors and teachers. Notice he says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you know what Paul is saying here? He is, he is clearly communicating to every person who will read this that is a believer. He's saying this, you will need, you will need these spiritual gifts, these spiritual leaders in your life, you will need them until you stand before Christ someday. That's what he's saying here. He says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Well, that's not happening down here. Until we arrive at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's not happening down here. We're all in a perpetual state of growth, but don't lose sight of this. Listen, you need a pastor. You need a teacher. You need the gift of the evangelist. You need for the apostles and the prophets, the word of God to speak into your life. And there will never, listen, there will never come a day. There will never come a time in which you can say, you know, I don't need that anymore. Oh, you'll need that until the day you die. You will need that until the day that you stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, assuming you've accepted Jesus as your Savior and you're born again. You will need the gifts that God gives to the local church. You need spiritual leadership in your life. Now, I, I want to say a few things about, uh, about leadership. I want to say this, that all of us have been impacted and have been affected by abusive leadership. There's not a person, there's not a person in this room that has not rubbed shoulders with someone who is in a position of dominion and authority that they, they did not use that position correctly. They did not use it well. It may have been in a classroom. It may have been in an office somewhere. It may, it may have been in the home. And sadly, there may even be some of you in here today that you have been marked 
you've been marked by a spiritually abusive leader. And I want you to know that, 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 that that's not what God had in mind. Here's, here's why abusive leadership is a problem. It is a problem because it is a distortion of God's plan, and it is a distortion of the image of God. Remember we said, let us make man in our image, and let them have dominion. Over. So if we're created in the image of God, and, we are, we, and because of that creation we're to have leadership, if we lead in an abusive manner, here's what we're doing. We're distorting the very image of God. That's what's happening. That's what's happening when, when you have an abusive leader. Can I, all, can I say this? That uh, because of that, many times, abusive leaders, because they distort the image of God, they lead, they lead many to reject God based on the evil leadership that, that, that existed that made their lives oppressed. Here's, here's what they say. Because, because leadership is a, uh, is, a, is a portion of the image of God, they'll say this. Say, if that's what God's like, I don't want any part of it. If that's how God is, if that's, if that's the kind of leadership that God wants to have in my life, no thanks, I'm not interested. I'm, I'm good just, just like I am. Boy, that's a shame, isn't it? That people would reject God based on the evil leadership that is making their lives oppressed. Now, now let's pause for a moment and let's sort of drive this home a little bit. Every one of you have leadership. Every one of you have leadership. God has given you dominion. Over nature. Better be careful the way you use and exercise that dominion. Hey, hey, dads and husbands in this room, God has given you dominion. Wouldn't it be a shame? Wouldn't it be a shame for your children to reject God and to reject Christ because you distorted his image in the home? Wouldn't it be a shame? Hey, hey, I'm, I'm standing here. I, God has allowed me to be the lead pastor of this church, but there are also some men that I'm preaching to this morning in which you have pastoral responsibilities here in this church as well. And understand this, listen, the way you lead matters. There are people, there are people who are under you, who are watching you, uh, who are following your example. And wouldn't it be a shame, wouldn't it be a shame for some to walk away from church and to walk away from the cause of Christ altogether because you, because me, because we did not lead well? Shameful, wouldn't it? Might even be some of you that police officer or you're an elected representative here in this community or in this area. Wouldn't it be a shame if someone rejected God, if someone said, you know, I'm not interested in leadership because of the way that you lead and because of the abusive manner. No, listen, abusive leadership is never okay. It's never okay, regardless of where it might be found. It's not okay in the realm of nature. It's not okay in the home. It's not okay in civil government. And listen, it's especially not okay in the church. Now, I must tell you that it is a, it's a little awkward for me to preach a message like this because it may seem or it may sound a little self-serving. As you sit here, you're saying, well, of course he wants, he wants everyone to straighten up and to follow him. He's the pastor. He's the leader. Of course he wants that. But I want you to understand something. What I'm preaching here this morning is a, is a biblical concept. In other words, we're, we're reading this straight out of the text. We're not, being, we're, we're, not, we're not removing things out of context. We're not abusing what is found here, not in any way, shape, or form. This is a Bible concept. And I would tell you this, that as a preacher of God's word, I'm responsible to preach the whole book. And I have to tell you, sometimes I come to a passage and I think to myself, well, I don't know that I want to preach that. You know, that, that, that might sting a little. It might sting me, it might sting you, and I'm, I, I, I want to come to church and I want to w- walk away from here feeling happy, don't you? 
I want to walk out of God's house, thankful that I came. And I think to myself, well, if God has me preach that, then it's going to sting a little bit. People might not be so happy when they leave the church. Let's just be frank. The bottom line is I want you to, I want you to walk out of here happy with me, right? I think that's how we all function. We all want to have a certain level of friendship and of relationship. And if I preach that, they may not like me very much. Well, in this text, if I preach this, well, it might sound like that's a little self-serving, like he's, he's just trying to prop himself up, and he's trying to prop the position of the pastor up. But can I just tell you that this is found in Scripture, and I would not be a faithful preacher and a faithful teacher if I were to skip over this particular passage. So what is the, what is the best way for us to maximize the role of spiritual leadership in our lives? Now, that's really what we're trying to we're trying to draw out of this, this particular text because that's what Paul writes about here. In other words, you're here, right? I mean, you're here. You've placed yourself under my preaching and my teaching for this, this morning, and most of you do so week after week after week. So why don't, we, why don't we, while we're here, why don't we get what God has us to, to get? And why don't we just determine that, listen, if, if it comes from God's word and it comes from the Bible, I'm going to obey it. I'm going to place myself under the leadership of the spiritual leader that God has called to this place, and I'm going to do what God has called me to do. So what I'm saying is so long as my leadership is biblical, then you have the, you have the opportunity to maximize in your lives what Paul is writing that the church at Philippi maximize in their lives as well. I do want you to know that I, I don't perceive myself as ever being capable of living and leading like the Apostle Paul, but I do believe this. I believe that you can still enjoy God's blessings as you humbly submit to the spiritual leadership that God has provided for you. See, it, it's not so much about the leader himself as it's about the, the people who say, you know, listen, I, I want to I figure out who my leader is and I'm going to submit to him with all of his warts and all of his flaws, all of that. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. So let me share with you three things specifically from this text about maximizing spiritual leadership in your life. Number one, I want to say this. We maximize spiritual leadership through proximity. We maximize spiritual leadership through proximity. Now, we, we, we discover a, a couple of key themes as it relates to this idea of, of proximity. Number one, if we're going to do this, first of all, we must be humble. We must be humble. Look at the beginning of verse number nine. He says, those things which ye have both learned and received. So those who, those who, who, who learn, learners are, are, are acknowledging, here's what they're acknowledging, that they don't have all the answers. Now, now likely, likely you've, you've walked into a seminar, a, a church service maybe, some form of, of teaching in which you've sat down and you thought, okay, I'm here to learn. And the, and the speaker was introduced. It was someone you'd never met before. And they, they assumed the position in which they were going to speak. And you sat there, you sat there, and you thought to yourself, oh boy. Oh boy, this, this guy is not going to be able to teach me anything. And we make, those, we make those judgments based on a number of things. Perhaps maybe he's way younger than you. And you're sitting there saying, are you kidding me? I'm old enough to be this guy's grandpa. And he's going he's gonna to stand up here and he's going to try to teach me something. Come on. Maybe, maybe it's his appearance. Maybe he stands up and you think to yourself, well, man, this guy doesn't even, doesn't even look like he has his act together. His tie doesn't match. His shoe's untied. He, you know, he forgot to wear a belt or his hair's not combed right or whatever the case might be. And immediately, immediately, we begin to build a wall, don't we? We begin to build a wall, and we think to ourselves, this guy can't teach me anything. 
He doesn't look right. Sometimes, sometimes it's the sound of, of the voice. You know, oh, I don't like the way he sounds. He's sort of nasally. He's sort of whiny. He's sort of this or he's sort of that, you know. And I, I'm just simply saying, we, we, we can all do things like that, can't we? Now, now listen, if that's your attitude and that's your spirit, guess what? You're never going to learn anything. You're, you're here. You're sitting in the building, but, but you might as well be a million miles away because you're not, you're not gonna get what, what is being given because you've already, you've already made a determination in your mind that this guy, this gal, this person can't teach me anything. So listen, listen, if you're gonna, if you're gonna maximize spiritual leadership in your life, you must first of all come to a point in which you're willing to be humble. In which you're willing to come and to sit in this room and say, listen, I don't have all the answers. And can I just be real frank with you as the spiritual leader in this place? I gotta tell you, just about every week as I approach the text that God leads us to, most of the time, most of the time, I sit in my office and I read through it and I jot some things down and I begin to make some notes. And I have to tell you, most of the time, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the text saying, I don't, I don't know what this means either. Lord, you're gonna have to teach me if I'm gonna have anything to teach them. It's amazing what God begins to do is God begins to, through the spirit of God and and through the gifts that God has given of other pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists who have written that as I begin to read and I begin to study that the Holy Spirit of God allows his word, listen, to come alive in my heart. So listen, I want you to understand something. I'm really not all that different from you. It's just I've had three or four days in this passage of scripture to draw some things out of that God has taught me. And my goal, my goal as you come in is to be able to take the text that we're at and to say, here's what God is saying. Here's what you need to understand. And unless, unless you approach the house of God with a spirit of humility, unless you come in here and say, I'm here to learn and I'm here to receive, you won't get anything from what God is giving. So we must be humble. It is a dangerous thing to come to church it is a da- it's a dangerous thing to go anywhere, but especially to come to church and to enter in with a hum- without a humble spirit. I'm wondering, is it possible that some of you, you sit in this service week after week and because maybe you had me, because I grew up around this place, you had me years ago in a nursery somewhere. I, I know, I know those, old, those old memories die hard. And you're sitting here, you're thinking, I remember what he was like in fifth grade. He's not teaching me anything. I remember, I remember what he was like in the youth group. I remember what he was like in this class or in that class. I, I, listen, I'm not here, I'm not here lifting, lifting myself up, but what I'm saying is we must be humble. I, I, I have to be humble as I approach the text. And as I understand, Lord, hundreds of people are coming on Sunday and they're gonna expect to hear a message. And unless I'm prepared and unless I'm ready, and I just be honest with you, Lord, sometimes this passage doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And unless you start to show me some things from this text, from this passage of scripture, I'm not gonna have anything to give them. All of us, listen, all of us, whether leader or follower, all of us have to have a spirit of humility. We must be humble. But notice, secondly, not only must we be humble, but we must be present. We must be present. Look what he says as he continues this theme. He says, those things which you have both learned and received, well, that requires humility. Notice, and heard. And heard. So, so if, you're going, if you're going to be impacted and if you're going to maximize the spiritual leadership that's in your life, you must, first of all, be humble. But second of all, you must be present. You know what that means? That means in the building, in the room. Now, 
We, we live in a unique day and age, a day that Paul could have never envisioned. What I'm talking about is we live in the digital age, don't we? With the world wide web. I mean, we, just, we could just type in a few things into a keyboard and we can have all the information that is available in this world today on a particular subject matter. In addition, in addition to that, you can, you can pretty much, especially in 2022, you can pretty much attend any church in the world through their live stream ministry. Did you know that? And some of you do. Some of you, uh, some of you, you know, maybe you used to attend a church, and so you'll, you'll visit their website every once in a while, and you'll watch one of their services, or perhaps maybe this person was a pastor and, in your life or someone that impacted you, and so you'll go back and you'll listen to his messages and, and that sort of thing. And, and, and so we live in a very unique day and age and a generation. But listen, I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me well. God, God designed the church to gather together. That's what God designed. And I want you to know something. Live stream is great. It's, it's a wonderful tool, but it is never the same thing as being here. It's just not. And if, and if, and if the church gathering together wasn't important in the mind of God, then, then, then he would not have done what he did. He, he would not have placed the emphasis on the, on the people of God coming together and fellowshipping with one another and edifying and exhorting one another. If that wasn't important, if you could just live stream it for the rest of your life, then, 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 then there would have been no reason for God to do what he did. And what I'm saying is, is Paul is saying, he's saying, listen, church at Philippi, you, you, were, you were changed, you were marked in your spiritual lives and in your spiritual journey because you were present when we gathered together and you heard some things and God did some things in your heart that, that God only does when his people gather together. There's something about it. There's something about being here. Now I want to pause for a moment. Because some of you might be thinking, okay, well, are you going to disband the live stream ministry? Are you going to throw the cameras away and, and to close up the booth there where all of the streaming is done? And No, we're, we're going to continue doing those things because there are, there are some wonderful people who are blessed and benefited greatly by it. And those, those folks are folks maybe who physically are not able to, to come anymore. We have a family that used to attend here, and they moved, I believe they moved to Texas and they send a letter once a month, and they say, we, we, haven't found, we haven't found a good church yet, and so we're continuing to worship through the live stream ministry of the Cleveland Baptist Church. I sort of get the idea that that's what, it, that, that, that's what it's sort of there for. It's for people who may either don't have a good church home that is available to them, that is near to them, or people who would be here, but they can't physically get here because of their health. What I'm saying is able-bodied people who, who decide, you know, I just don't feel like going to church today. Now, look, there can be days in which there can be days in which you're physically not able to be here because you're sick and it wouldn't be wise for you to come and expose other people. I get all of that. But I'm, I'm talking about, I just don't feel like being here. Can I just be real honest? Sometimes the pastor doesn't feel like being here either. Because I'm human, I'm normal, I'm just like everybody else. And there are some days in which I roll over, my alarm goes off at six o'clock on Sunday morning, and sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what day is it? Oh no, it's Sunday, I gotta see all those people again today. And I, listen, I can say that because you roll over and the alarm goes off and you say, I gotta listen to that guy again today. But listen, listen, our feelings shouldn't dictate the way we live. Be present so that you can hear. You can hear what God has given to the preacher. You can hear what God has given to the evangelist. You can hear what God has given to the teacher. 
So, so there's the idea of being humble. If we're, gonna, if, if we're gonna allow spiritual leadership to be maximized in our lives through proximity, we first of all must be humble. Number two, we must be present. We've gotta get here. And then number three, we must be near. We must be near. I told the story at 9.30 of a, of a young man that I went to Bible college with. His name was Stanley. When I say be near, he, he's, saying, he's, he, he's saying the things that you have heard, and then he says this, and the things that you have seen in me do. So, so he's, he's saying it's not enough for you just to be in church. He, he's saying you, you, you need to get close enough to the spiritual leader so that you can examine his life to make sure that he's living as, as he should. And I had a... I, I, I have this thought or this idea that a lot of people, they look at the man behind the pulpit and they assume, well, the man behind the pulpit is, 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 the, is the, the actual man. And that's not always the case. God does something, God does something unique in a man. It's, it's sort of mysterious when he stands to preach. And I can't fully explain it, but I have to tell you that, that I'm, not always the, I'm not always the man um, when, per, in personality I believe that my life is in alignment with what I'm preaching, but I'm just simply saying I stand up here in front of hundreds. There are times in which I go in, into a setting and I don't want to be noticed. I don't want to be seen. I don't want anybody to talk to me. You know, I just want to kind of slide under the radar. I had a young man when I was in Bible college. His name was Stanley. We were freshmen together in our, in our dorm. And when I first met Stanley, uh, I said, Stanley, what are you here for? And, and he told me he was here because God had called him to preach. As I spent more time with him, I thought, God didn't call you to preach. Here's why. Here's why. Because he was, he was one of the most shy, bashful, sort of backward people that you've ever met in your life. I mean, when, when he would get around people, he, he, would, he would get a little awkward sometimes. And I thought to myself, this guy's never going to preach. I mean, who does he think he is? He's here to preach. God, you know, God doesn't make any mistakes. He must have he heard the wrong thing, or maybe God was calling the guy next to him, and, and he heard enough of the call, and he responded. I thought, this guy is never going to do it. Well, in my dorm, we had, we, had, uh, we had dorm devotions, and this is no joke. We would get together each night. We had a, we had a dorm supervisor that kind of oversaw everything. His name was Tommy. Tommy now pastors a, a growing church in south, uh, southeast Florida and, uh, and, and just doing a great work. But Tommy, Tommy was our dorm supervisor, and so as the semester first got started by freshman year, uh, I remember he pulled, out a, he pulled out an ironing board. And he set the ironing board up, and that became the pulpit for the rest of the semester. The ironing board was the pulpit. He'd lay his Bible on there and his notes, and, and we were all preacher boys, you know, planning on preaching, so he would preach. Well, then, then it became clear to me, I'm a freshman, this is all new to me, and, and I began to learn, wait a minute, Tommy's not the only one that's going to preach. The other guys in the dorm, they're going to have to preach too. And I thought, well, I'm, I, I'm, looking forward, I'm looking forward to hearing this guy preach. And, and uh, this guy, he snores really loud, so he's probably going to be a great preacher too, you know. And, and, uh, and then I thought, I thought, but Stanley, he's never going to preach. Oh, no chance. No chance Stanley's going to get up there and preach. And if he does, I've got to be there for it. And so the schedule came out, and who's preaching when? And I, and I made note in my, in my calendar, Stanley's preaching on this day. Oh, I'm going to be there for that. I got a front row seat in front of that ironing board. And I had my popcorn out, and I had my, I was ready to see, this guy can't preach. Oh, listen, folks, he, Stanley got behind that ironing board, and he stood behind that ironing board, and he became a different person. Oh, man, he opened that Bible, and he preached God's word. And I'm sitting here going, what have you done with Stanley? Where is he? This isn't the Stanley we all know. What, what, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, some some of you you need to get you need to get near enough to the preacher. You get to know him. 
And understand that he is, a, he, he, is a, he is a man just like you are. And understand that God, perhaps God's hand is upon him in a little bit different way. But understand God's plan is that you get near, that, that you allow the spiritual leader to impact you through proximity. Get close enough to him that he can speak into your life besides just standing here in the pulpit. I, I know, as I look across this room, some of you, you're here week after week, and I, bar- I barely know your name. And that's because you just slip in just before the service starts, and you slip out just as the service is ending, and, and we really don't have a whole lot of fellowship. I want you to know something. That's not the way to maximize spiritual leadership in your life. You can get close enough to the spiritual leader that he can see you and that you can see him, and that, and that, and that you can be near through proximity. We can maximize these things. No, secondly... Notice, secondly, we maximize spiritual leadership through obedience, through obedience. He says, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, do. Such a small, simple word, isn't it? But such a hard thing for all of us. Did you know that simple obedience has always been God's way? And and, and did you know that it's always also been the thing that the devil fights the most in your life and in my life? I got to thinking this week as I was preparing for this message, where would we be? How different would our lives be if Adam and Eve would have just simply obeyed in the Garden of Eden? I mean, God, God told them, Here, here's, what I, here's what I require of you, and if they would have just obeyed, if they would have just listened, how much different would our lives be? I don't know what it is. I, I have a son, he's nine years old, and, and, and he just, everything I tell him to do, he likes to argue with me. I do know what it is. My mother is smiling very, very, very broadly right now because she had a nine-year-old boy who did the same thing. You think it's me. It was my brother's, actually. It wasn't me, but no, it was me. And I'm reaping what I've sown. But I'll tell him, son, we're, we're going to do this. But dad, it's nothing. It's nothing. We're, we're going to, you know, what we're doing is going to be fun. It's going to be enjoyable. But he just, it's just, it's just born in him that he's got to argue about everything. That's my son. Likely you have a son like that as well, or a daughter. Here's the sad thing. Our Heavenly Father has children like that too. Maybe even some of us in this room. Every time God speaks to us about a matter. But, but God, Lord, I know what your word says, but it's 2022. Nobody's living like that anymore. Is that, is that the way to maximize the spiritual leadership in your life? No, listen, when you hear God's word preached and when you hear this book taught and when the Holy Spirit of God begins to speak to your heart and begins to speak to your life, you know what God is saying? God is saying, whatever they tell you to do, just do it. So long as it's biblical, I mean, you don't understand that my, my realm of, of authority in your life is confined to what's in this book. What I'm saying is there, there, are, times, there are times in which uh, someone will come to me and they'll say, Pastor Pete, uh, we're, we're facing this. What do you think we should do? And I'll have to look at them and I'll have to say, you know, the Bible does not speak specifically about that. Oh, maybe there's some general principles, but, but the Bible doesn't speak specifically about that matter. And so here's what I'll often do. I'll often say something like this. I, I, I won't be dogmatic about it. You know what that means? That just means that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I think and what I would do, but I can't, I can't force you to do those things. 
Now, there are some matters in which, if you're a member of this church, and if I'm your pastor, I'm your spiritual leader, I can, I can say, listen, this church demands this type of behavior and this type of activity because, because you've chosen to join this church, and by living in this way, you're going to hurt the body. And I have that authority because the Bible speaks specifically black and white about certain matters. But, you know, there are some matters the Bible doesn't speak on. And in those matters, you're okay to seek my opinion, but I'm also okay to say, you know, listen, I, I can't speak dogmatically about that. Here's what I would do, uh, but you're going you're gonna to have to make up that decision for yourself in your home and in your own family. We call that Christian liberty. It, they're matters in which God hasn't specifically or expressly spoken about. So understand, listen, my authority as a spiritual leader is confined to the limits of this book. If God's word is clear on a matter, then I have a responsibility to proclaim it, and you have a responsibility to obey it. And to disobey areas or to disregard areas where God's word clearly teaches us about a matter is to put oneself in a position of peril as Adam and Eve did so many years ago. So what I'm saying is, when you come, you better be humble, because God's going to speak to your heart about certain things, and if you walk out of here saying, well, I'm not going to live that way, guess what? You're doing the exact same thing that Adam and Eve did 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden. And you look at this world, you see the mess that it's in? It's in that mess because of the decisions that they made all those years ago. Unless you, unless you want a similar judgment and similar problems in your life, you better determine, hey, when God's word speaks clearly about a matter, I'm going to do it. I'm going to obey it. And God's word has spoken clearly about many, many things. Let me ask this question. Are there known areas of disobedience in your life? Are, are there no, let's, let's think corporately, are there known areas of disobedience in the life of our church? I, I have to ask myself almost daily, Lord, are there, are there known areas of disobedience in my life? And if there are, what is the answer? The answer is to repent and to return and to resume obedience to God and to his word. That, that's, that's what God would have you to do. Not to continue in rebellious defiance to what he's clearly stated. No, no, do what God has told you to do. Listen, if you're gonna maximize spiritual leadership in your life, you must first of all get close enough to the spiritual leader to allow him to speak in your life. Number two, that's proximity. Number two, you must be obedient. What does God's word say? How ought I to live? And then thirdly and finally, we'll finish here. When we, when we maximize spiritual leadership in our lives, there is blessing. I find two things, and I'm just gonna touch on them. Number one is the blessing of peace. The blessing of peace. Look what he says, and the God of peace. Listen, peace is something that is in short supply in this world. And think about what God wants to do. God wants to give us peace. The Bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding. It keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's verse number seven of this particular text. We find that type of peace described and identified. But notice, secondly, not only do we get the blessing of peace, but we get the blessing of his presence. Look, he says, the God of peace shall be with you. As I determine to do things God's way, God, you've given me a spiritual leader. Lord, you've given organization in nature, in the home, in government, and in the church. Lord, you've, and, and as you determine to be, to be right with 
areas in which you have leadership and to be right with those that have dominion over you. You do things God's way, and specifically as it relates to the spiritual leader, that you, you get close enough to him to hear and to receive and to learn and to see in his life these things, and then you begin to do these things and you obey. God says, God says, if you'll do that, I will pour my blessings out on your life. I'll give you peace, and I'll give you my presence. So that, so that as you go through this life, you don't go through this life alone. No, no, you go through this life with a partner, with a companion. The very Spirit of God himself will come that much more alive in your heart and in your life, enabling you to make the decisions that God is pleased with.